Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Alex Carnes was riding high. The 20-year-old university student had gotten involved in stock trading as a way to earn some extra cash. But his part-time hobby soon became a serious enterprise as Alex traded on the app called Robinhood. Starting out small, Alex made deals and exercised options. He got more and more involved in the pursuit of riches, and it paid off. By June of this year, Alex Carnes was holding hundreds of thousands of dollars in assets on the Robinhood app. Alex was headed for serious money. But then... On June 11th, Alex got an email from Robinhood telling him he had lost money on his trades. His account was overdrawn by $700,000. They demanded he make an immediate payment of $170,000 or face consequences. And suddenly, Alex panicked. He couldn't believe what was happening. He tried to call Robin Hood, but no one answered the phone. He sent emails to ask what happened, but he only got automated replies. Alex was devastated. He couldn't afford to lose that much money. He had no way to pay it back. He was just a university student trying to play the market and make some cash. When he was making money, everything was great. But facing this huge financial loss left Alex in despair. So the next day, on June 12th, Alex Carnes killed himself. In his pursuit to become rich, he failed to learn how to be good at being rich. To make matters worse, a few days after his suicide, Robin Hood sent the deceased an email. It seems they had made a mistake. He hadn't lost any money. After all, he didn't owe anything, and he was free to continue to make money on their app. But it was too late. Deception about money led Alex to despair, and despair over money led to his death. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the tragic but true story of Alex Carnes. When you make money a priority, you give money power over your life. When you chase after money, you give money control. Money starts to influence your decisions, your mood, your life. And that's the trouble with money. Money is a great servant, but a terrible master. And if you don't understand the trouble with money, you won't have the wisdom you need to be good at being rich. That's the message in our sermon today. But before we learn more, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come to you today and we ask that you give us wisdom to manage money. Don't allow money to manage us. We pray that you'll help us to see the truth from your word and that you'll change our hearts so that we will be devoted completely to you and to your ways. I submit everyone watching and listening now into your hands. I bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit the power to speak light and life and love to our hearts, the power to give us the grace to change as we follow you. Help us to learn how to be good at being rich. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I invite you to join your faith with mine right now. Just put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Well, what would you be willing to do for one million U.S. dollars? If someone came to you today and offered you a million dollars cash to do a certain task, would you agree? Say, for example, if someone offered you a million dollars, would you be willing to eat a live cockroach every day for the rest of your life? Would you do it? If someone offered you a million dollars, would you be willing to go on national TV during the evening news completely naked? Would you do it? What if someone offered you a million dollars to be locked up in prison for five years? For a million dollars, would you divorce your husband or wife? If someone offered you a million dollars, would you agree to never have children? I suppose the real question is this. How much does money mean to you. I'm not talking about the amount printed on the note. The value of money is what it means to you. And you can tell how much someone values money by the things they would do to obtain it. The value of money depends on your view of money, how you look at it, what you think of it, what you would do to get it. And the problem for most people today is that we've allowed money to take a place in our hearts that it was never intended to have. We've allowed our possessions to possess us. That's the trouble with money. It wants to be in control. When money comes into our hearts, it often struggles to take over. And while money is a wonderful servant, it's a terrible master. Money distorts our view of what's really valuable. And if we're not careful, money will deceive us and control us. And in the end, it will ruin us. See, being rich is not about how much money you have, but rather how much money has you. If you want to be good at being rich, you have to know the trouble with money. So let's discover the truth about money, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's look to God's word today and find out exactly what money can do if we're not careful. Now, to help us discover the truth today, we prepared sermon notes. They're available for free at my website and on my Facebook page and at the YouTube channel. So go ahead and download the sermon notes and follow along with me as we discover the trouble with money. And there at the top of your notes is our scripture text. It's also on your screen today. It's our text for the entire series and for today found in 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. I'd like to ask everybody watching and listening right now to read it out loud together with me right now. Are you ready? Let's read it with faith. Here we go. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. As we begin today, let's take a moment to review what we learned last week in lesson number one. I introduced this series last weekend by telling you the purpose of the sermon series. Remember, this series is not teaching you how to get rich. This series is teaching us from the Bible about how to be good at being rich. For the truth is, not all rich people are good at being rich. You have to learn how to be good at being rich. And because all of us are richer than we think, it's a lesson we all need. So here's what we learned last week in our first sermon. In order to be good at being rich, you have to do three things. Be thankful, beware, don't compare, and be content. 
For the truth is, it's not what you have that makes you rich, but what you do with what you have. And that's the challenge with being rich. You see, money has a funny way of influencing people. Money can make nice people mean. Money can tear a family apart at a funeral. Money can make people sell their body. The love of money can make you do what you don't want to do. So here's the truth you need to embrace today about being rich. Being good at being rich involves not just what you do with your money, but also what your money does to you. See, the problem for most of us is that when we think of being good at being rich, we only think about being good at financial planning. We think that in order to be good at being rich, we need to make wise investments. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in financial planning. But the truth is this. You can make all the right financial moves to be wealthy, but you won't be rich if your money makes you mean. You can make all the right investments, but you won't be rich if your money tears your family apart. That's why you have to understand that being good at being rich involves not just what you do with your money, but what your money does to you. Because money influences you and the people around you. People do things they wouldn't normally do when money is involved. Reminds me of the story of the rich bachelor and the beautiful poor girl. Once there was a very rich bachelor who met a beautiful young lady. She was perfect for him in every way. She didn't have any money, but it didn't really matter because the man was very rich. After a few dates, the rich bachelor asked the young lady to marry him. She gladly agreed, and they soon got married. Now, this new husband wanted to make sure that his wife never forgot where the money came from. He wanted to make sure she remembered that he was the source of their wealth. So shortly after they married, the man built a gorgeous mansion in an expensive community and filled it with fabulous furniture. When their new home was ready, the husband took his wife on a tour of the mansion. They walked into the house and the man said, Never forget, if it weren't for my money, this house wouldn't be here. Then they walked into the bedroom and he pointed to all the exquisite furnishings. And the man said, Never forget, if it weren't for my money, none of this would be here. Then he took her outside and showed her the fancy cars in the compound. And never forget, the husband said, if it weren't for my money... None of these would be here. The wife just kept quiet. So the husband asked her, Do you understand if it weren't for my money, none of this would be here? Oh, I understand, dear, the new wife said sweetly. In fact, if it weren't for your money, I wouldn't be here either. So husbands, ask your wife, If I were poor, would you still love me? And wives, don't answer. I don't want to fight to break out. But the fact is money influences us. Money changes us. We walk taller when we're rich. We show off when we're well-dressed. We're confident when we have money. But when your confidence is in money, it's misplaced. No matter how rich you are, your boasting is in vain. You may make a lot of noise about your money, but money won't last. And not only does money change us, it changes the people around us. People treat rich people differently. We listen more carefully to rich people. We think rich people are better looking. We think rich people are smarter. That's why the rich have friends and the poor man doesn't. Money changes people. But friends, the trouble with money is that it rarely changes anyone for good. Money corrupts. And in order to prevent money from corrupting you, you have to get wisdom when you get money. If you don't want your possessions to possess you, you have to beware of the trouble with money. 
So today, let's discover the truth about money from the Word of God. And here's your first truth. Money is deceitful. Everybody say, money is deceitful. See, that's why our scripture text for this series commands us, those who are rich should not be arrogant. Paul's warning about the trouble with money begins with the basics. Money will deceive you into believing a lie. When you have money, you tend to think more highly of yourself than you should. When you have money, you tend to believe you can take care of yourself. When you have money, you begin to lean on your riches to sort things out rather than leaning on God. Jesus himself taught us this truth in Matthew 13, 22, when he talked about the deceitfulness of wealth. And when you fall prey to the deceitfulness of wealth, it has consequences. When you think that money is always the answer, then you'll find it very difficult to enter the kingdom of God. If you believe you can settle any problem with money, you'll find it difficult to accept the grace of God. That's the truth we learn in Mark 10, 23 to 25. The Bible says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why is it difficult for a rich man to enter heaven? For one simple reason. Money makes it harder for you to depend on God. When you have money, you tend to depend on money instead of God. The poor often have more faith because they're more desperate. They must have a miracle or they die. Why pray and fast for healing when you can afford the best medical care money can buy? Why pray, give me this day my daily bread when your pantry is full of bread? And this problem leads to an even deeper problem. When you don't depend on God, you don't have any affection for God. The real heart of the trouble with money is that it's a rival with God for your devotion and affection. In fact, money is the number one competitor with God for your heart. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So here's what you need to know today. Money and God may compete for your affection, but only God can deliver. Money may promise happiness and security, but only God provides it. You can chase the fantasy of happiness through money, or you can rest in the guarantee of the promises of God. That's the powerful truth we can learn from the tragic but true story of a man named Gregory Jarvis. In September of this year, Gregory Jarvis played a lottery game and won 45,000 US dollars. But when he went to collect his winnings, there was a problem with his government-issued ID card. Without a proper ID card, Gregory couldn't collect his cash. So Gregory Jarvis applied for a new ID card and kept his lottery ticket in his pocket. But on Friday, September 24th, Gregory Jarvis had an accident and died. He died with the winning lottery ticket safe in his pocket. All his expectations for what the money would do for him evaporated. All his dreams of a better life were gone. He had staked his hopes on money, but money couldn't save him from death. And that's the trouble with money. Money may seem to offer you a better life, but it's uncertain and temporary. Money is deceitful, and whoever is fooled by money is poor indeed. 
As Jesus said in Mark 8, 36 to 37, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, every winning lottery ticket in the world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? That's why the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. How absurd, how stupid, how dumb to think that wealth brings true happiness. Ecclesiastes 5.10 has been proven true in every nation, in every generation throughout human history. It's a truth discovered not only in the Bible, but even in the testimony of unbelievers. The world's powerful have discovered that money can't buy happiness. Queen Elizabeth I was the wealthy ruler of England. She reigned in the land for 45 years, but on her deathbed, her final words spoken on earth were these. All my possessions for a moment of time. The world's rich have discovered that money can't buy happiness. Just consider Jack Whitaker of the USA. On Christmas Day in 2002, Jack Whitaker won the biggest single lotto prize in the history of the USA at that time. He won over 314 million US dollars. Hey! But after winning the lottery, Jack's life was miserable. The money didn't bring happiness. It brought pain. After winning, the Whitakers were robbed repeatedly. They couldn't trust anyone. They didn't know who their friends were and who was just out for their money. They were sued to court by people looking to take their money from them. Jack was arrested several times. Their granddaughter died from an overdose of hard drugs. Their only child died. The couple got divorced. Their house burned to the ground. Jack's wife blamed the lottery for destroying her family. I wish I would have torn the ticket up, she told a local newspaper. Jack Whitaker agreed. My granddaughter is dead because of the money, he told ABC News in 2007. She was the shining star of my life, and she was what it was all about for me. You know, my wife said she wished that she'd torn the ticket up. Well, I wish that we tore the ticket up too. All that money ruined their lives. Even Bob Marley knew money can't buy happiness. He said, money is numbers and numbers never end. If it takes money to be happy, then your search for happiness will never end because money is deceitful. It promises what it can't deliver. It distorts your values and makes you imagine you can rely on it to save you. And in the end, money will betray you for not only is money deceitful, it has another trouble. Money is uncertain. And understand that's exactly what our scripture text tells us. Listen again to verse 17. Command those who are rich not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Everybody say uncertain. See, no matter how much money you have, money comes and money goes. In today's financial world, you can lose millions overnight with a click of the button on your computer screen. We think of building wealth so that we can protect ourselves from every possible storm. But money is uncertain. Only God can shelter and protect you in this life. That's why Proverbs 18, 10 to 12 says, The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Then listen to how it continues. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. 
The rich think they're safe. The rich imagine their money will protect them. And these verses say God is comparing himself and his promise and his name with the uncertainty of money. In the end, when you rely upon money and you look at it as your fortress and your shield, it will deceive you and you will end up with destruction. When you believe that money will protect you, you choose the wrong priorities. If you think money is your high tower, you make gaining wealth your number one priority instead of gaining more faith. And when that happens, money distracts you from your true priorities. You focus on protecting yourself by getting rich instead of trusting in God. You begin to look to build wealth rather than to build faith. And when you do that, you're destined to fail. There's no amount of money in all the world that can protect you from every disaster. No matter how much money you have, you can never guarantee you will keep it all. If you don't believe me, just look right here where I live in West Africa to one of our neighbors, the nation of Mali. Modern-day Mali was home to the man that historians have named the richest person ever to live in all of history. From Adam to now, this man was the richest. His name was King Mansa Musa I, and he had a personal net worth of $400 billion at the time of his death in 1331. King Mansa Musa I ruled West Africa's Mali Empire. His kingdom produced more than half the world's supply of salt and gold. With his vast wealth, King Musa built large mosques that still stand today. However, just after his death, Musa's world record net worth began to diminish. His heirs were not able to fend off civil war and invading conquerors. And today... Mali is one of the poorest nations in the world. Even the richest man in history couldn't keep wealth in his family forever. Even the richest kingdom in history couldn't keep its riches. Money comes, money goes, money is uncertain. But it's not just ancient kings and kingdoms that lose fortunes. We have more technology today, but we are no more secure from the uncertainty of wealth. In modern times, for example, there was the Bank for Credit and Commerce. It was one of the world's leading banks until international regulators closed it down on July 5th, 1991, leaving a million people without access to their money. Right here where I live in Ghana, the banking crisis that struck from 2017 to 2020 caused the closure of numerous banks, leading to uncertainty in the financial markets. And all over the world, people have lost millions of dollars to Ponzi schemes, fraudulent investment schemes, dishonest and unscrupulous financial schemes. For the fact is, money is uncertain. Sometimes it's lost by civil war, and invaders. Sometimes it's lost by greed and scandal. Sometimes it's lost by bad business decisions. But the fact is money is uncertain. It can be here today, but gone tomorrow. And when you put your hope in the uncertainty of earthly riches, you put yourself in a place of great insecurity. For you see, even if by chance, even if somehow you always make the right financial decision and all your investments give you a good return, there's still something you need to remember. Even if your bank never fails and your investments never tank and your business keeps growing, don't forget that one day all money will fail. The Bible tells us that the day will come when all currencies will cease to exist. One day everything we see and all the world's possessions will be gone. 
destroyed by fire, and money will cease to exist. The fact that money is deceitful and uncertain is a truth. The Bible teaches us over and over. That's why Proverbs 38 to 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? So what should we do to avoid the deceitfulness and the uncertainty of money? Back in our text, we find the answer. Listen carefully. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So just lift your hand and make this faith declaration after me. Just say out loud, I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. You cannot protect yourself from all calamity. When you focus on money as your protection, you chase the wrong priority. Your hope migrates to the wrong thing. For you see, friends, the greatest riches are not the riches of this world. They're the riches of our faith. If your hope is in the world, you are poor indeed. But if your hope is in Christ, you are rich. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. More money in the bank without peace in your heart is useless. Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. The fact is better things don't make things better. More money doesn't make more happiness. More money won't keep your children from drugs. More money won't give you a better marriage. Whatever benefit you may get from money, it's only temporary. And that's the third problem with money. It's momentary. The Apostle Paul continues to reveal the truth about money with these words from our text. Be generous and lay up treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age. The trouble with money is it doesn't last. Even if somehow in this life you keep all your riches till you die, you can't take it with you. King Solomon was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. But in the wisdom that God gave him, he realized all his money wouldn't go with him to eternity. That's why he wrote in Proverbs 27, 24, riches don't last forever and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. He also wrote in Proverbs 23, 4 to 5, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. This truth reminds me of the story about the rich man who wanted to make sure he would have enough money with him after he died in case he needed it. He wanted to be sure that he would continue to live a luxurious life in the afterlife. So one day he called his three best friends to him and told him he wanted them to keep some cash for him. When he died, he wanted them to put it in his casket so he would have enough money in the next life. One of his friends was a lawyer, one was a doctor, and one was a pastor. The rich man gave each of them an envelope with 100,000 U.S. dollars cash inside. Then he instructed them. When he died, they were to put the envelope with the cash money in his suit coat pocket before they closed the casket. That way, he would be sure to have ample funds in the afterlife in case it was needed. Well, at the funeral, the three friends all went to the coffin one by one and put an envelope in the pocket of the dead man. Then the coffin was closed and the man was buried in the ground. After the funeral, the three friends stood and talked. 
I have a confession to make, said the pastor. I needed money for my church building, so I took $20,000 from the total. I put the rest of the money in the envelope. At least my friend has $80,000 cash to spend in the afterlife. I'm sure that's enough. I too have a confession, the doctor said. I needed to build a new wing at my hospital. So I took $50,000 from the cash. I put the rest of the money in the envelope and left it in the suit pocket of my friend. I'm sure $50,000 cash will be okay for him. Well, the lawyer had heard all this and he was very surprised. Gentlemen, he said, I am very shocked that you would put less money in the envelope than what was given to you by our friend. I want you to know, I put the entire $100,000 in the envelope. Really? The pastor said. You put the entire $100,000 in the envelope? Yes, the lawyer said. I wrote him a check. Of course, you can't cash a check in heaven, but you can't spend cash in heaven either. In fact, you don't need money in heaven. Everything is free. There's nothing to buy. There's free food at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's free dress in robes of righteousness. There's free housing for Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. There's free transportation and free everything. There's no sickness. There's no need for medicine. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. People value money because of all they can buy, but you can't take it with you when you die. That's why in Luke 12, 21, Jesus said, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So how do we handle the trouble with money? Well, our scripture text for today not only gives us the warnings about the trouble with money, it also gives us the solution. Let's all read it out loud together again. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And there you have it in three very simple steps. Do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. For when you do these simple things, you will build true riches. You will lay up treasures in heaven that will last for eternity. You will overcome the deceitfulness of money and the uncertainty of money and the temporary nature of money. So here's your final truth for today. Money brings you greater responsibility. You have a greater responsibility than to live just for this moment. That's what Jesus says in Luke 12, 48. From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And you haven't been given all that you have by God just to store it up for yourself to enjoy. You've been entrusted with wealth to use it for God's glory and for eternal riches. The possessions God gives you are a test of your commitment to him. They're a responsibility given to us. The more he gives us, the more he requires of us. And if what you possess turns around and begins to possess you, then you have failed the test. For being rich is not about the money you possess. It's about not allowing money to possess you. God has given you 
and opportunity. We live in the richest time in history. God has given us money and technology and opportunity. He put you in this place at this time. God chose you because he wants to use you. He entrusted riches to you because he trusts you to do the right thing. Do not disappoint God. Money is a good servant, but a terrible master. But money surrendered to God is a powerful tool to change the world. Money under the control of the Holy Spirit is a mighty seed to sow. It will reap a bountiful harvest of blessings. Without God, there's trouble with money. Money is deceitful, uncertain, and momentary. And that means money is D-U-M. It's dumb to trust in money. The reality is this. Money can't make you rich. True riches don't come from what you have, but what you do with what you have. Being good at being rich is not about what you do with your money, but what your money does to you. So don't let money possess you and lead you astray. Put your hope in God. Let money be your servant, not your master. As you gather wealth, don't forget to gain wisdom, for money is deceitful. So use it, but don't let it use you. As you build your finances, don't forget to build your faith. Money is uncertain, so trust in God as your true source. As you store up treasure on earth, focus more on laying up treasure in heaven. Money is momentary, so do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous with your money. And that's how you can be good at being rich. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for the word today. We pray that you will deliver us from the deceitfulness of riches. I pray today, Lord, that anywhere we've made money or possessions an idol in our heart, convict us and help us tear down that idol. Help us to remove from our hearts the love of money. Let us use money. Let us manage money. But don't let money use us and don't let money manage us. Lord, we pray today as we surrender to you, that we will lay up treasures in heaven, treasures that will last, that your name will be glorified, and that we will be blessed in the true riches, the riches of faith. We thank you now in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here.